Before we get started, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we produce this podcast, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Well, hello there, Todd. Howdy, mate. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Thank you. And massive shout-outs to everyone who came to the live episode, live episode 300 last week, and it was so fun. It was the best. Shout-outs to the guests, shout-outs to everyone that came, people that wrote things in that I was meant to read out and I didn't. Um, shout-outs to Young Henrys for giving us beers. Oh, yes, massive shout-outs to Young Henrys. We had an esky full of Young Henrys and it was delicious. And in fact, I'm going to drink one right now. What do, you, what do you got? I got the Hazy Pale, baby. Oh, yum. It's I'm going to have really, one too, actually. It's, it's really good, yeah. What are you having? Oh, the ginger beer. It's got oh, a bite. I love it. Yeah, I love that ginger beer too. Yeah, shout out to Young Henry's. They are great supporters of the pod and they make amazing beer and drinks and they are just great supporters of live music and comedy in general. Wherever you see great music happening, you can be assured that there will be a Young Henry's not too far away. <laughs> yeah, thank God. This is actually like the best hazy pale I reckon I've had as well because I'm not usually much of a, mm. like, I'm not much of a pale ale drinker in general. Yeah. But this one, for whatever reason, like that just one, sits right with me. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So massive shout outs and thanks for, thanks for supporting the pod. Thank you. We're, we're pretty um, wrapped to have Hamish from The Vines on the pod today. Oh, um, mate. We were pumped to do this one, weren't we? Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's super exciting. It's super exciting because um, The Vines meant a lot to me when I mm-hmm. was um, younger and... Even going back now and listening to their music, it just still stands up. They're yeah. a special band. I literally would put the CD in the CD player and play along to it, my guitar. Like, it was real formative sort of stuff for me as well. Yeah. So we've got Hamish, Hamish on, uh, who's the drummer from The Vines. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just exciting. They're a special band because they are, like, real rock, like rock stars. Craig Nichols, you know, mm. is like a front man that happily stands next to people like Julian Casablancas and stuff as far as I'm concerned, like as a, yeah. a, an iconic um, front man. Definitely. So cool. We're stoked at the opportunity to have Hamish on the pod. Yes, he's lovely. So thanks for coming to the pod. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Hamish. And thanks to the, everyone on the Patreon, as per usual. Um, we've got a couple of people to welcome. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know what the Patreon is, by the way, we, we, it's, we do bonus episodes there every week. So we release this podcast every week and then we do another episode uh, on Patreon. And you can subscribe to our Patreon and therefore get double the episodes if you would like for as little as five bucks a month. Yeah, it's a bloody bargain. It helps um, us out. It helps keep the pot alive. Literally wouldn't be doing it without it. So thanks, everyone. Well, it's not necessarily true. We We'd would do be it. doing it, but it'd be hard. It'd be hard. Our be relationships would be strained. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to support the pod and you love listening to the pod, then maybe consider joining the Patreon. But of course, there's no pressure. None. We're just grateful people listen. All right. Welcome to the Patreon, Tim Summers. Tim Summers. It's always summer where you are, baby. I hope you <laughs> smile and I hope you're happy. And I hope that um, you love this episode. Thanks, Tim. And thanks for joining the Patreon. See you over there for the secret episode after this. The other half, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long one. Yeah. Welcome to the Patreon, Britta Norston. Britta, Britta Norston. Um, uh, Britta, you're our favourite critter. Thanks for thanks for signing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're the only new ones this week. But, um, okay, two new outs. Patreons. Well, two very special. Britta, Britta. Is it Britta? Yeah, Britta. Britta. Like Brit yeah. with the T-A, T-T-A. Yeah. Sick, Britta. Yeah. Britta, Britta, cool critter. Well, I guess it's probably time to roll the intro music and get into this pod. What do you reckon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, actually, I'm going to shout out also, we're about to get tucked back into the commentary series we do. So we watch our um, Comedy Central mockumentary series on the Patreon and do like a director's commentary sort of thing with Ben Timoney, your brother, who also created and made the show with us. Yeah. Um, and so the next four weeks in the Patreon, we're doing four more eps from season two. Yes, that's going to really, be great. That's a good point, actually, dude. Yeah, good we're going to watch four episodes. We're going to comment on all of them. We're going to share bits and pieces from behind the scenes and our process in making the show. So if that's of any interest, sign up to the Patreon and you'll be able to hear all that. Right. All right. Q. 
kick this thing's fucking head off. Yeah, let's kick its head off. This is uh, Mark Sinatra with Catchy Smile. Enjoy the episode with Hamish from The Vines. Catchy Smile You got that catchy smile Stop a while Come back with that catchy smile Come back, baby, we'll fly away Come back, we'll just fly away Together, baby, but don't tell your nonna Great to meet you, Hamish. I'm Jamie. G'day, Jamie. And Todd. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's a very uh, visual thing going on with you right now with this shirt and the massive, like, painting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my background. Um, you know, have you heard of Lee McConnell? It's one of his paintings. No, I haven't. What's Lee McConnell's story? He's a young dude. He does a bit of art for albums. Um, oh, yeah. He's done, done all the June Rat stuff. He did the Splinter in the Grass artwork a couple oh, of years true. ago. Okay. But um, yeah, he's a buddy, and he did a canvas. Oh, nice! Looks for great. Us, uh, yeah, it's actually it's really incredible. It's kind of like uh, just for everyone listening, sort of like palm palm trees with like eyes and uh, mouths, and it's quite psychedelic. It's very psychedelic. Yes, it's like a mushroom <laughs> trip. Speaking of mushrooms, whereabouts are you? You're up in the Northern Rivers, aren't you? Correct. Yes, mushroom country. Yeah. Nice. Shout out to Jamie Brewer who introduced us. Yeah. Mutual friend. Yeah, I've known Jamie. I've, I've reconnected with him recently. He worked at Vice many years ago and I was living in Redfern and my wife worked at Vice and that's how we got to know each other. Oh, I worked at Vice at the same time. No way. That's how you met Jamie Brewer as well, Todd, huh? Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. A lovely guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's, he's a monster children now, right? Yeah. Do you go, like, uh, we, we got on to this topic semi-accidentally, but do you go mushroom picking up there? <laughs> I have done, yeah. <laughs> Always better fresh. Yeah. They're in the they're in the cow pat up there, aren't they? Cow poo. I mean, there's any matter of mushrooms growing out of the cow poo. You need to be able to figure out which ones you want and which ones you want to avoid. Oh, is that right? There's other mushrooms that grow out of cow, cow poo, poo yes. as well. Oh. Yeah, you got to be careful, Jamie. Shit, <laughs> I don't know. I've only ever picked them once many years Look, ago. but I'm a noob when it comes to mushrooms. I don't really take them. I don't really pick them. I don't have a problem with them, but I'm just a noob. <laughs> no one said so, you did, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm just always, when people like, oh, I go mushroom picking, just kind of like, how do you know? Uh, like, is it, because like not, people aren't trains. They just go, they just go on on what their mates tell them, right? Oh yeah, don't pick these ones, pick those ones. But how do you actually know what you're getting? Well, the test is when you pick a mushroom, break the stalk, and within a minute or two, the juice that comes out will turn like a blue-gray color. Oh, really? They're the ones you want. They're the ones you want. Oh. Yeah. It's like that sort of thing. It's like, all right, so if it's sort of blue-gray, they're the ones you don't want, and then you're out in the field and you're like, are these the ones I want or don't want? (laughs) They're the ones ones you do want. (laughs) All right. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Good to know. If you don't mind talking um, a little bit more about that, you don't have to because I know it's kind of, you know whatever. But um, do you <laughs> do you like taking them for recreational purposes or spiritual purposes or? No, it's recreational. Recreational, it's, yeah. yeah. I'm not. I haven't been down the ayahuasca trip either. But um, that mushrooms at festivals can be fun, or you know, if yeah. you're out outside, it's good. Like if you daytime at the beach, you know, if you've got nothing else to worry about that day. Yeah, it's it's like a milder version of an acid trip. Like acid, you, you're buckled in for a good eight hours, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all said and done in three or four, and then yeah, like wow, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, and like you can, yeah, I guess yeah, you can like take the museum sized dose or whatever, the half a gram or gram or whatever, and not go too, not go too into your, you know. Yeah, well, these days I'm seeing a lot of dried stuff in capsules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a lot yeah. more measured and measured. I don't know. That, yeah. Yeah, uh, still prefer the raw ones, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they sometimes make me a little bit um like crook in the guts, though. Yeah, right? which is yeah, it's I mean yeah, it's a difficult part of it, really, isn't it? That's a hazard. Yeah, it's kind of unavoidable. Yeah. yeah. Every time we go to the northern rivers, we're like struck by how like wet and lush and so heaving nice. with life everything is, is up there. Yeah, well, I'm living on property and it is like it's started to drizzle right now, but yeah, everything's lush and green. I've got five acres or so, and when it rains, I've got to cut the grass like every 20 minutes. 
<laughs> Mow the lawn, and then the next day it's grass. Jesus. Next day it's it's grown two inches overnight if it's raining in summer. Mm. But yes, far out. How beautiful. So where are you guys? Are you guys in Sydney? Oh, we're in Melbourne. We're in Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. freezing cold. Fucking every time we fly back in here, you know, you, you might be coming from Sydney or Gold Coast or whatever, flying in. It's all it's all sunny and beautiful when you leave, and it's, you know when you hit Melbourne because it fucking goes all grey again and fucking shit. <laughs> I know Melbourne back well. Yeah, fucking shit, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's beautiful. I do love Melbourne. It's the funnest city in Australia by far. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Sorry, Sydney. I'm from Sydney originally, but it's and I was back there for a spell recently. Yeah. It's, Big city, it's pretty dull. Hate to say it, there's not a lot Sydney. going on. Yeah, not like even in the last ten years. I mean, they shut the whole city down for a good ten years, and that was right around did. the time that I moved up north to the north coast. Right. So yeah, Kings Cross and Oxford Street were just wiped out for nightlife. We life. were living there at that time, man, and uh, yeah, yeah, it fucking sucked. Yeah, how boring. Like when I was there before that, there was you know some fun places to go. There was a few late night bars that weren't the casino. Hell yeah, they yeah. really were. Yeah, like. Yeah, King's Cross was heaving. Yeah. And uh like Surrey Hills was heaving, Darlow. Yeah. Um, Newtown. They were all they were all really lively spots. Surrey Hills was like uh it was heaps more like a lot more student back then too. Like it's so gentrified now that you can't even afford to live there. But like back in the day there'd be like just more kids around, people bumming around in like share houses and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. so much that area. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember some friends of mine in a band that had a big five bedroom share house on Crown Street and it was a party oh, zone. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, years ago I lived in Enmore and I had a five-bedroom house. It was 500 bucks a week for the whole house. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Back in good that for the for the closet now. That's, that's it, yeah. We had a friend who just got a $260 rent hike per week in Sydney. Ouch. Yeah. That's psycho. We snuck it? through on the good times, or I did anyway. Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's, it's it's almost impossible, really, um, to live there at the moment, in Sydney. Um, if you yeah. were growing up in Sydney, yeah, what sort of venues were you playing? Like Annandale, yeah, that Annand- kind of thing. Annandale was a great one. There was a place called the Iron Duke, which was pretty cool. Oh, on on Botany Road. Yeah, Iron Duke. Yeah. That was one. Um, Lansdowne. Yeah. So yep. I went to Sydney Uni. I used to see bands at the Lansdowne all the time, which was great. Like see friends at Rom and. Run in Loder. There's heaps of good local yeah, Newtown bands that play there. Um, there was something, was Cat and Fiddling Glebe I played at a bunch. Uh, well, was, no, that was Roselle. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What else was there? That was and until Oxford Arts opened. That really yeah. became this, you know, the main club venue in yeah. Sydney. What about the Hopeton? Was that going? Yeah, Hopeton. Like, Hopeton what? was great. Like, it was a good small venue, good sort of first gig for any up-and-coming band, and that's been shut for more than 10 years as well. It's bizarre, isn't it? It just sits there empty. Yeah. Like, is that being that no that. one's doing anything with that space? I don't, I don't know why. Maybe the licence got taken away or moved somewhere else, as they do. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a cool venue. Open yeah. up something in there. In cellars, that was, you know, that's sometimes a band venue, sometimes DJ venue. And there was Spectrum on Oxford Street. I think that's gone oh, too. yes. That was Spectrum. Sick. That was oh, an important there. venue for, like... Us when we sort of first moved to Sydney and started playing in different bands and shit. Spectrum was a real yeah Q bar as well. Yeah, Q was cool. And I'm old enough to remember a place called Springfields in Kings Cross. I think I went there underage, and Sick. that was a venue that had bands that would play at two in the morning, like super late night venue. That's where oh, other man. bands would go after their gig, and it was a real kick on spot, open late. And yeah, touring bands would show up there before there was Frankie's like Springfields a long time ago, like. Yeah, touring bands would end up there after their shows and get up on stage and sit in with the band. Wow. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, oh, there's not really, I mean, and there's not a whole lot of that sort of thing left, but I guess there is, in Melbourne, Cherry Bar is sort of similar to that, I reckon. Like, yeah, Cherry's great. And local bands love going there after shows and hanging out. Yeah, City had Frankie's until just recently, which it needed yeah. so badly and sadly it just... In the way of Sydney, sorry, development. It's becoming a, a underground train station. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting bulldozed for yeah for metro. Great. Martin Place is just across the road anyway. Really, <laughs> there's a new train line that's going to connect in with Martin Place. That's why. What the fuck do you need that for? It takes fucking five seconds to get from that one to Martin Place or something. Uh, I'm not sure. Mass transit. It's not a bad thing. It's only <laughs> yeah, bad true. when they demolish Frankies. You know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. So what's been going on lately, dude? Have you been 
Have you been touring? You're, you're playing in Wolfmother at the moment? I was until end of last year. I just stepped out from Wolfmother. Got a bit much. I've got a couple of little kids. My wife works a busy job and she's travelling all the time and we're both travelling all the time. So yeah, I called time on that. Yeah. Regrettably, but, you know, it was the right thing to do. How were the Wolfmother days? Did you enjoy playing in the band? Oh, it was the best. Uh, I love the music. It's right up my alley. Like, I love that kind of rock and roll, yeah. you know, hard rock, heavy metal, that sort of style. And it's... It's challenging as a drummer to play as well. Like it's, you know, lots of big drum fills and complex arrangements. So that's really fun. And then we got to tour Europe every summer. It was mm, the dream. Yeah. It was the dream gig, you know. And I love going to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. How good is it? Oh, it's amazing. Like Europe in the summer is the best. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, especially when you're playing like big festivals everywhere and yeah. Like just yeah, having a. Ball. Were you doing like the downloads and sonospheres and all those kind of slots or kind of more your own shows or what was kind of happening over in it's, Europe? It's both. So the tours were built around festival dates, which always happen on weekends. And then we have the weekdays in between to fill up with headline shows. Amazing. So club shows, weekdays, yeah, festivals, weekends usually. Do you guys call um, Andrew Stocky? Do you call him Stocky? <laughs> Stockdale, no, I never <laughs> called him Stocky. <laughs> Why not? Stockers, he used to get sometimes. Oh, stockers. stockers. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. Close. Stockers. Yeah, good. Yeah. Stockers. stockers is great. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing Wolf Mother. I don't know. I, actually, yeah, I don't think you're in the band back then. It might have been an original lineup, but like Falls Festival just after that first album came out. And it yeah. was like, that was so, that album was so like fresh and everyone just loved it. And it was just like 11 p.m fucking before New Year's or whatever, just the best, like, vibe for that festival. is so good. Yeah, that album still stands up. That first record's an absolute yeah. banger. But yeah, I was in the Vines back then. I was in the Vines yeah. for 10 years until, yeah, until I joined Wolfmother. So, okay, good days, good times. Man, I, I'm so keen to talk about the Vines because, um, you know, like, this is our, I think, 303rd episode of this podcast or something. Oh, wow. And I was so excited about doing this pod based on how much the Vines meant to me. Um, cool. Like the, one of the first bands I ever like really connected with and became, uh, I don't know, just besotted with. Excellent. So sick. So sick and such an iconic band and like still it's not, it's, it's you know, it's held up. It's still there's great albums. It's great music. So we should talk about the Vines. Yeah, please, us. for sure. Um, you joined, I, I had a, uh, flick through your wiki, right? So forgive me if this information is not right, but you joined just after the recording or during the recording of Highly Evolved? Yeah, it had been recorded. I don't think it had been mixed. And during the recording process, the original drummer, he bailed out. He wasn't up to it or wasn't up for it. And yep. then uh, about half the record's done by session players. Right. Mm. And the original drummer, Dave, he's on six or seven songs. Um, and then, yeah, I saw an ad in the classifieds in the drum media. And oh, I, true. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that I was, is amazing. I was in the habit of reading those classifieds all the time. And I used to go for all these, like, dud auditions with horrible bands because yeah, right. before there was decent internet and social media. So I wouldn't hear these bands until I showed up at the audition and be like, oh, dear, what am I doing here? Like, how, yeah. quick, how quick can I pack up my drums and get out of here? Yeah, and they'd say, "Yeah, man, you're the guy we're looking for." I'd be like, "Yeah, better keep looking." <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but um, saw the vines ad in the classifieds, and it said it had management. I was like, "Management? Wow, that's serious." Yeah. And it had some reference to a smelly tour bus. I'm like, "That's ambitious." <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear about this. And um, I met the management first, um, and they played me the rough mixes of the record, and I heard it. I was like, "This is good. It's really good." Wow. And um. I said to him, it reminds me of a few things. One thing I said it sounded like to me was supergrass. Yeah. I, that was a magic word because Craig loves supergrass. And I'm like, ah, he knows who supergrass is. Okay, good. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Learned these cool. songs and then I, um, they circled three songs. I learned them all. And um, when I had an audition, I was uh, in this other band and it was a 60s review. And we played in casinos, like Las right. Vegas in the States, you know, so. Oh, wow. And. Oh. Yeah, I was wow. just back for Christmas break when I saw this ad in the classified. So, well, you've been wow. living in Vegas. Yeah, all over the States, but sometimes Vegas. Um, we'd get these residencies for weeks or months at a time in various casinos. So, we'd get accommodation and. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. And, and what, you're playing like 60s rock and roll? 60s, yeah, all 60s review. So, what does review mean? Like, I know what like British Invasion and stuff is. Is it that kind of stuff or what's. I think it's more the style of the show. We had 
outfits. Like I had, there was a two hour, okay. two hour show, like two one hour sets, and I had eight different costumes over those two hours. We had dancing girls coming on and off the stage. <laughs> it was really pitching, and we were working six nights a week every week. So I get Mondays and you off. Had you formed in Australia? It was an Australian band, yeah. Right. Um, and 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 you managed to take. The whole band yeah, like over to the States happen? and get, yeah, how did that happen? I mean, I joined when it was already, it'd been running for years. Um, right. They had an American network. Had classifieds? <laughs> it probably was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, that was at a point where I've been playing drums for a long time and I was like, I think I'm ready to get paid for this because original bands make no money. Yeah. No. And I went, I'm selling out. I made a conscious decision. I was like, I need to get paid for this. So I started looking for cover bands and I found this one. Did a few gigs in Sydney and then was on a plane to the States and was over there for the best part of two years. Unreal. Had a few shows. We played across Canada. Um, we'd go to Hong Kong a little bit. And in Hong Kong, we're just a straight up Beatles, Beatles tribute. Yeah. Wow. Beatles suits and Beatle wigs and the whole bit. <laughs> had a, a Sergeant so, Pepper suit. <laughs> so you did, your, you did your Hamburg. You did your Hamburg basically. 10,000 hours. Yeah, I think so. That was it. So that was a good schooling for any musician, just learning all those classic 60s songs. And the band leader was pretty militant. He'd say, hey, Hamish, listen, that drum roll coming out of the second verse is different to the first in that Beatles tune, like, have a listen and get it right tomorrow night. You know, it was... Oh, right, yeah. We had, we had to sound like the originals. That was the whole objective. So, you know, I had to do all the Ringo and the Charlie Watts and, you know, it was Kinks. It was all the good stuff, you know. Did you do the Ringo head when you played? Like, did you... All did of you it, ever... yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> whole lot. Oh, Yeah. Used to get to sing Yellow Submarine or A Little Help for My Friends, you know. I've got a song a night. Mad. Because they're, nice. they're Ringo tunes. Yeah, the Ringo tunes. What else does Ringo sing? He's got a couple of good ones, eh? Yeah, um, those are the two that I used to sing. Uh, I Want to Be Your Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to be your lover, baby. I want to be your man. Yeah. I want to be your man. Yeah, that's the I one. I want to be your man. Yeah, they gave that song to the Rolling Stones, the Beatles. Oh, really? That was one of their throwaways. Like, ah, I'll let Ringo sing that one. And at the time when they were writing hits, the Stones were still doing covers. And have you heard this story? There's a chance meeting between John Lennon and I think Mick Jagger on the street. And they jumped in a taxi together and the Stones were trying to write a song. They went, oh, yeah. John goes, here, have this one. (laughs) And gave them I Want to Be Your Man. So there's a Stones version of that song. It's a slower, more bluesy Stones version of it. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that story. Yeah. What a fucking perfect, like, predecessor to then going and playing in the Vines for 10 years. Like, yeah. learning all this sick fucking 60s rock and roll. Yeah, got my Ringo one because I was into metal, like, a lot um, leading into that. And then I was at university. I got into jazz. I had this job working behind the bar in a jazz club in Sydney called Soup Plus. Right. And it was, yeah, proper jazz. So that really opened my eyes and my ears to jazz and it, Diversified my tastes and yep. then, yeah, did the 60s gig and ended up in the Vines right after that. Right. So you've had this manager, then you've had, you had the, do you remember the audition, what that was like? Yeah. So Craig was still in the States finishing off the record. Right. And this it was Christmas Eve, and there's only one rehearsal place that was open, it was Zen. And it was just myself and Patrick, the bass player. Right. And I, I went and learned all the songs and I hassled for him to do, the, do this date because. I had to be back in the States for New Year's Eve shows and another residency after that. Yeah. And so I met up with Just Patrick and it went well. I went back to the States and carried on with this, this gig. And I was calling Craig and calling Patrick. I was like, how did it go? What do you think? And I went, Patrick goes, well, you're the best we've seen, but you haven't met Craig yet. So I, pa- I packed it in with the cover band. I told the band, let us say, hey, I've had this audition. If it comes through, mate, I'm, I'm out of here. And then I was out of there. I just- oh, my God. So you must have... A, either love, like, really like the songs to be, like, quitting the other band and, like, pursuing, like, following up the rehearsal so much or B, just, well, also, did you see, like, the potential in the band and um, what was sort of about to happen as well? It's, it's all those things. What I always wanted was to be in an original band that recorded albums and toured the world, you know. That was the yeah. always the goal. And to be honest, I was over the 60s review. We, I'd been doing it for two years and it was much the same set every night, six nights a week. Mm-hmm. And what's funny, I was before this Vines thing opportunity came up, I was I had, had myself lined up an audition for the Blue Man Group, which was because yeah. <laughs> they had a Vegas show. And it's all it's all it's all percussive. That's blue. A real fork sliding doors moment, eh? Hey? You could have <laughs> yeah. been in the Vines or a Blue Man. It was a week later I was gonna go audition for the Blue Man Group. So um, 
<laughs> I split Nevada and got back to Australia and yeah, met Craig and yeah, I never forget the first time I met him. So I was in a rehearsal room in Sydney and I was setting up and Craig walked in the room and I'd been listening to his music and I'd never seen the guy before. There's no photo of him. And I was like, there's no way that big voice comes out of that little guy. No yeah. way. <laughs> and then he started singing. I was like, wow, there it is. That big voice does come out of that little guy, you know? Yeah. What, what, what were your sort of first impressions upon meeting Craig? How was the first interaction? What did you, did you, how did you go? He seemed a bit shy. He smoked a little weed out of a little pipe and then we jammed for a bit and it was the voice that really blew me away. Like I'd heard the music, but just to hear it coming out of his mouth, you know, into microphone in a room, I was like, wow, yeah. Mm. I knew it was good straight away. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got no idea how he, um, how he, how he makes his voice <laughs> sound like that. It's, it's really like crazy. Hey, like, and he's got that screen that just will peel paint off the walls. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. does quite a. Um, an original scream live and a lot of the stuff I've seen where it's like, it's kind of quite jarring, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does the screams like the perfect ones that he'll do on the album and then live will just do that one that sends. Oh yeah, the real <laughs> high-pitched ones and stuff, yeah. Almost like he's trolling or something. A lot of, a lot of improv in the live set, uh, we just go for it. And he wears himself out, like he's out of breath after every song. Like, <gasps> does yes. smoke a lot of CDs yeah. too, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah, that's why the sets were oftentimes like fast song followed by slow song so it can catch his breath and back and forth. Yeah. And so um, you were all living in, so you, so you, so you joined, you joined the band, you had your first rehearsal or whatever. You were all living in Sydney at the time. Yeah. And were you living in close quarters or were you separate sides? No, of the city? I, was, I, was like, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I think I was probably at my folks place cause I just left the other, the sixties band. And then we only did four shows in Sydney before we were, over in the States. Right. Mm. Yeah. Did like Annandale, Hopetown, Vic on the Park, and maybe another Annandale or something. Oh, mate, all the classics. Yeah. Were they, was there a buzz here or were they just like local shows to rehearse? Like was yeah, music there was, released or? There was a buzz. Nothing was released, um, but there was a US record deal and people were talking about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a buzz for those, well, for those four gigs. Then we're off to the States straight away. Amazing. Was there, had, was there, um, a fair like kind of community of fans just like from playing from playing live shows like prior to you joining the band had they been playing around and kind of garnering fans or not a whole lot no there was right. one one tour with UMI it was UMI Eskimo Joe and then Vines was the opener on that right yeah before that it was just local gigs it wasn't a whole lot uh, well, I mean that's a pretty big gig to get though isn't it so there must have been some sort of groundswell I think that's when the management came on board it was before I was right. there but what got it all started is Craig had recorded, or the band had recorded these demos and had them played on Triple R, not Triple R, what's the city one? FBI. And mm-hmm. um, one of the guys who became the manager, management heard these and went, oh, here's a good band. Like, he was, was this Winsman yeah. Goldstein, by the way? Yeah, those guys, Andy, yeah. Andrew, yeah. Yeah, so it's Andy. Andy Castle that heard yeah, it on the- on I F- Andy Castle. Yeah. yeah. So he heard it on FBI and was like, what is that band? The Vines, like, where do I find them? Once again, Craig's not on internet, not on email, and ended up sending a handwritten letter to Craig's home. So where he lived, where he lived with, with his folks uh, about how much he loved the band and then from that became the band's management mm. and then got those demos out there and the guy that produced a few of the Vines records, Rob Schnapp, heard them and he loved it. He just wrote an email and said, I love the Vines like 100 times in a row. Right. And it was just the perfect time because I guess the Strokes had blown up and every record label was like, find me one of those, get me a white yeah, strokes, yeah. get me a strokes. And then, <laughs> yeah, get me a, yeah. the hives or the strokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, got a record deal with Capital. This all happened before my time, but in Capital yeah. we're throwing some big budget at, at the band. Yeah, Like right. that first record took eight weeks to record when it's for 12 songs. It's a long time. Wow, wow, it is, yeah. Um, it's pretty polished. And then those videos, like that first video for Get Free, that's probably half a million dollars worth for two and a half minutes wow. of footage. <laughs> wow. Yeah I, re- yeah. I remember reading something years ago about there, that there was a lot of money spent on mixing probably Get Free, just one of the song- singles from the album, like just uh, like the balance in terms of like the money put into one song versus the others. Just Yeah, that's, that's true. So the mixes came back from the record and the producer, Robert, mixed the whole record and the head of the label was like, uh, get free. I prefer the rough mix. Like, do it again. So Rob did it again. Sounded the same, and they sent it to Andy Wallace 
Oh yeah, Andy Wallace. He's he's got a big catalog. He did a lot of Faith No More. And Jeff he's, Buckley and stuff. Jeff didn't Buckley. He? That's right. Yeah. Um, he came back and the mix on that's epic. I don't know what he did, but it just it just jumps out of the speakers at you. Fuck the Andy sick. Wallace mix, and that's the one that you hear. That's the, the mm. album mix. So yeah, some money was spent there for sure. Yeah, unreal. It was their project. It was their pet project. Yeah. It's so I don't know. You know, like. Andy Castle hearing it on the radio. That's what happened, isn't it, on FBI? Yeah, FBI. Yeah. Um, like hearing a band and going, oh, fuck, I have to work with this band versus like, I don't know, you know, this is not to disparage anybody at all, but oft- oftentimes I feel like there's, there's like managers and stuff that will work with bands and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll help them out a lot and stuff, but they don't actually, love, they don't, in their hearts, they're not going, oh, I have to work with this band. This is why I got into management. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like more of a business transaction. And to have that sort of like passionate um, thing from the outset like that is Yeah, it was, super it was genuine. Cool. And they were starting out as managers. I mean, they invented that name Winterman and Goldstein in order to be taken seriously, particularly mm, yeah, in, the, in the States. Like, sounds like two hard-ass Jewish businessmen and they're just three dudes from Canberra, right? So... <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, playing in youth group on the side. Yeah, that's right. You know, so but um, it, it worked in the states. People took their calls and their emails. Like Winterman and Goldstein, these guys are the, that's so are, good. Are the business. <laughs> so you're off. So you're off to the states, and then was that the was that the trip that you did the, all the television performances? Uh, uh, we spent a lot of time in the states for the first period. We were sat there, not doing much. I think we did the version of uh, Miss Jackson. Recorded that. It was my first oh. re- recording with the Vines. I love that. We did one show in Spaceland. It was like, um, yeah, a bit of a showcase. And then we did. Then we went to the UK and did four shows over there. Just small, um, small shows in England. But we had a support band who were the Libertines. And they, had, and they were just starting out as well. And I don't know. We're both pretty awful at that point, to be honest. But um, real. I've only been in the band a couple of months and there we were playing in England. Do you remember hanging out with those guys? Yeah, yeah, totally. We, did, we hung out with them quite a bit. Um, Was it? Oh, that's great. Yeah, Carl used to come to our room and order room service on our tabs and stuff, you know. He wasn't, right. he, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't afraid. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and like were you guys, I assume you guys were all partying pretty hard in that time. There was a bit of that going on, yeah. Uh, Craig was always, he never drank, he just smoked weed all the time. Yeah. The rest of us, you know, whatever's happening, whatever's going around in England, yeah, we're up to it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I really want to talk about the American um, TV appearances because, you know, they're so fantastic. Iconic. The Letterman one, the Conan one, right? And then the Jay, the ill-fated Jay Leno one that never happened. Yeah, so Conan was first. I think that was the day the album was released. And then they shoot that in the afternoon, and we were, we then played CBGBs that same night. Oh wow! After, after that, yeah. So they shoot the, the TV shows at I forget five in the afternoon, something like that. Yep. Um, with the CB played CBGBs, and some of the strokes were there. It was, it was a pretty cool day. Oh, sick! And then um, are they they were fans of the band. They wanted to see what was going on. They'd heard about it, you know. Fuck mm. yeah! Um, we're in New York. We're in the neighborhood. We're sort of downtown. So yeah, uh, yeah. Some of them, I forget who. I think it was Albert and Fab, maybe. So was it kind of like you guys knew they were there or did they come up and say hi or? We saw them after. I think we saw, I saw them while we were playing. I was like, oh, fuck, the Strokes are watching. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> best behave, everybody. Like yeah. put, on, put on your best show. And it was pretty, still pretty garage at that point. Were you guys fans of the Strokes at that point? I loved it, man. That first record yeah. was out and yeah. couldn't get enough of it, man. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Because they did that... Um, they supported UMI on their first ever Australia tour as well, didn't they? Right, so okay, yeah. yeah. Which was kind of interesting. Probably, yeah, just before they blew up. There you go. Mm. So, yeah, that was the first TV show. That one went to plan. Second yep. one was uh, <laughs> Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our next guest are an acclaimed rock and roll band from Australia. Their debut CD is entitled Highly Evolved. Here they are, kids, The Vines. Uh, that was pretty special. So obviously in New York again, and that night we were flying to the UK for Reading and Leeds Festival. Oh, so we checked out of our hotels. We're sitting in the green room in their building, wherever it is in New York. And it's a long day to do one song. It's the first. It's a sound check. 
then it's a camera rehearsal because they imagine you're going to do the same moves in performance time so they can like guide the cameras as to which shot they want and then the performance happens and they, they shoot the tv show in real time it's um you know one hour show shot in an hour um but they wouldn't let us leave the building we probably would have gone out and had a pint somewhere or something like oh that afraid we're going to get lost or get high or who knows what right and during that time like it was pretty bonkers i think someone from spin magazine was there and he was smoking and he'd thrown the deli tray around the room like he usually did and bought a can of coke on his head and he had a <laughs> he had one of those um hang on hang on we're in the green room yeah yeah just because you guys were bored, basically, or just because it's normal. <laughs> it became like people who hadn't seen it before were like, is he okay? We're like, oh, yeah, he always does that. <laughs> yeah. Is, he has the hand stuck to the roof. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's good at that. Dude, I, I, re- I re-watched it this morning and noticed the big like, brown stain on his shirt. Sure. Yeah. So he had one of those shirts that said New York City. It was the one that John Lennon was photographed wearing. And he found one of those and bought it in New York. And then he'd written in Sharpie up under New York City. New York City sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this wasn't long after September 11. There was a lot of love around for New York at the time. But the oh, producers yeah. went, can't do that, mate. So he turned that shirt yeah. inside out and that's the shirt he's wearing. Right. Like, poured all over it. And then... Um, so, yeah, you've seen the song, the performance, and it was pretty wound up, Craig, and I was like, yeah, this could go either way. And it comes, it's a short song, and it, 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 but, yeah, near the start of the song, he rolls on the ground with his guitar, and he comes up, and his guitar is so far out of tune. Right, That's, yeah. that's yeah. when the wheels start to fall off. And yeah. then he can't and the pitch. Mic, the mic was knocked over as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once he's out of tune, like, he couldn't really pitch, so then he needs to start screaming like a banshee. Bah. Yeah. And the end of the song, like that song ends rather abruptly, but I gave him a bit longer. I gave him a bit of a stupid drum outro. And by doing that, he's like, you asked for it, Ross, up oh, yeah. guitar. <laughs> <laughs> He nearly kills you with that guitar. <laughs> it just comes straight past you onto the toms after he knocks the cymbals over. Yeah, and amazing as it is, that happened pretty much every show, but I never took a guitar to the head. So he's, wow. he's, yeah. he's, he's got good aim. Yeah. Was, and the worst thing was we used to have strobe lights and I had to tell the lighting guy, mate, no strobes at the end of that song because it's like freeze frame and I need to see, I need to see the guitar coming so I can yeah. dodge it, man. Mm. Yeah, in the 25 frames per second kind of thing, you need to when see When there's it. a strobe yeah. flashing, it's like, Four frames a second. Like, yeah. Where is it? Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was like trashing, throwing like trashing guitars every every show at that time. Yeah, we had a guitar tech spend all day gluing them back together. Oh, really? Fixing them? Yeah. Wow. Craig was on the cover of the Fender spare parts catalog at that point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's good. That's the kind of endorsement you want. So yeah, I I often wonder about that. Like, do you just buy an e-guitar each show or do you fix them? What's you know? Both. I mean, if it's salvageable, you fix them, and sometimes yeah. they're a write-off. So this guitar tech had all the spare parts he can still use. I mean, throw away the other parts, give them to fans. Yeah. Like this guitar yeah, is snapped; it's junk. You know, yeah, the bodies yeah. would come in, come apart, and it went from expensive US strats to Mexican strats, and you know, the cheaper ones over time. Squires. Yeah. By the end, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> by the squire days. <laughs> By the end, it was like last song, guitar to the one and go, give me that guitar, here's your squire, buddy. 
You can get those for like, you know, less than 200 bucks a pop, 100 bucks. We call them the stunt guitar. Here's the stunt guitar, quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did anyone ever, at any point ever say, um, hey, dude, can you can you not? But do you think like you could not break the guitar tonight because I have to go to a wedding tomorrow or something. I can't be, um, I can't be breaking up. I can't be gluing it back together. Yeah, I've got to pay off. And we can't uh, be like hemorrhaging all this money on on Squires. It was, it was the backline companies that, drew the line that's like, we're not hiring you guys gear anymore or Fully. we'll have a $20,000 upfront deposit for all the gear you're going to smash. So then we had to buy our own stuff and freight it around. Yeah. So yeah, I had to buy a drum kit because there's always rental back lines. I had an endorsement with DW for like about one tour. They let me, mm. a, let me a drum kit and it went back in pieces. And I went, endorsement is over. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't, I, I would have thought from their point of view, it's still a worthy endorsement. It's like you're seeing people love, seeing this shit get for some we are fascinated oh, by yeah like if you're gonna smash a guitar it's gonna be a telly i mean that's strat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah gibson's are too pricey to destroy but yeah so after after dw bowed um i got an endorsement with premiere and i was like okay just full disclosure here uh the gear gets a bit beat up and they're like it's okay we're the company that endorsed keith moon for his whole career we're down with that I was like, yes yeah no, <laughs> thank you, you. Yeah, better PR strat. No, <laughs> yeah. cool with it. Just to, I know, just to touch back on it before we move on. So you're about to go on to this like very famous, iconic Letterman performance. You don't know what's about to happen. Like for all you know, this could be like the Conan one, like go pretty smoothly, um, and then just uh, all unravels like in front of you as you're playing. Yeah, I could feel something was like he was really wound up, Craig. I'd feel something was going to blow. Yeah. Before that, and I think having a journalist in the room just made him even more anxious about everything. And yeah, but do you think it was premeditated his end, or it's just like in the moment and just no, came it out? never was. It was never premeditated. Yeah. It's just what it happened. Like, listen, yeah. that it that, seems that, that way. It, that, it, of course, it seems that way, and it it so clearly is that way. And because you know, I there's such a fine line with the whole like the rock star thing, trashing shit on stage and fucking being wild and put because it can look really like lame and tacky it can you know but that's it it really doesn't with yeah with craig and the vines it, it it's it's like it's an it's an authentic performance and i was re-watching that letterman one this morning and didn't even notice the guitar being out of tune i just thought it was a fantastic rendition of get free <laughs> yeah so personally uh, after that performance we went to the airport we're flying out to the uk it was a night flight we're in some bar in the airport. We're talking to girls going, check it out. We're on Letterman. They're like, yeah, yeah, bullshit. Sure you are. And then Letterman comes and we're like, here it is. They're like, that's you guys. Fucking hell. We watched it. We're like, oh, oh, wow. Hey, I think I just caught my flight. See, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> really? Yeah, we thought it was terrible. And then it became a big news story. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone picked up on it and it was, you know, the Vines, Trash Letterman. And it did more good than harm, you know? Yeah, of course Definitely. it did then. Like I love how um, the tempo drops like 30 BPM in the bridge <laughs> for a second on the guitar. Oh, yeah. And then you just speed time. it back up yeah. with the drums. <laughs> you yeah. come in time. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Kick it off again. So sick. And then um, just quickly, we won't hang on these too long, but the 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 one that was- Oh, the Leno Jet one. Leno, the one that was cancelled at rehearsal. Yeah, that one. So we're in LA, Jay Leno. Um, night before we played a gig- so K-Rock, the radio station, has their, they call it the Almost Acoustic Christmas. It's a Christmas gig. And on this show, they had Coldplay who were blowing up. They had Creed, who no one really was interested in anymore. Um, Beck and Flaming Lips have been touring together. Oh, that's wow. right. So Flaming Lips had the big road case full of animal suits. And um, we're in the backstage or the back area, the Universal Amphitheatre, and the guy... Um, from Flaming Lips, Wayne, he goes, hey, do you guys want to dress up in animal suits? I'm like, yeah, of course we do. He's like, okay, last song. It's the final show of our tour. I want you all come on in animal suits. Here's some confetti. Throw that around. And the drummer goes, I'm done with this drum. You guys can smash it up too. And I was like, hells yeah. So we dressed up like a monkey or like a zebra. And here we are on stage, yeah. like pelting back with confetti and just running around being idiots. Wow. Yeah. And um, ended up having a late night with the Coldplay bass player. Johnny. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and then we had to be in, I think I had a few hours sleep, had to be early in Jay Leno's TV studio for, once again, the sound check and the TV, the camera rehearsal and all the rest of it. When we got there, they had a big, one of those hideous Perspex screens around the drums. Yeah, oh, they, they are 
hideous. <laughs> I'm not sure why, if it was for us or left there from the night before, but we're setting up on tuning drums and we weren't there long and Craig took offence to this big screen and picked up a big lamp, big light off the floor and just threw it at this Perspex thing, oh. put, a big, put a big crack in it and they were pretty uh, trigger happy. <laughs> Leno, it's like, security, get them out of here. Yeah, <laughs> right, gotcha. But I think yeah. they warned and that was it. We were kicked off the set yeah. during the sound check. Didn't ever make it yeah. to the performance. Gotcha. Right, because the Letterman one had happened they were probably like, yeah. Yeah, and I think I was back to my hotel by 10 in the morning. I was like... Back to bed. Let's start this day all over again. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, to any uh, to any engineers, uh, stage techs listening, who you, let that be a warning about those perspex, uh, <laughs> oh, Christian we, fucking glass things around the. Yeah, it's very churchy. Of, um, it's better that it, you'd rather it sound shit than play with one of those things. Seriously, it's for the benefit of the singer, so they haven't got symbols. <laughs> You know, yeah. lash them in the back of the head. Yeah, but this, this, they're used, singers are used to that and they want it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I had it too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like a lounge gig or a church gig. You're right, yeah. We, we got we, really um, pantsed once. Um, we were doing this show. It was like at one of those like, it was at The Great Escape in the UK, like a showcase kind of thing. And you have like a really short set and a really short changeover and it's like a showcase, right? And there was one of those fucking things, perspect things around the drums and we were like really not happy with it but went up there and just did it anyway. And then as soon as we finished, the band behind us just ripped it and threw it down and played their set. <laughs> and we were just like, damn it, why didn't we do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those things suck. We, we, um, we also did a uh, like a version earlier this year and they had the, the Triple J engineer had put one of those things up and um, we asked it to be removed, and um, he wasn't very wasn't very happy about it, was he, Todd? No, yeah. but he did remove it. He did remove it, though. Thank you. Yeah. You know how much that, your drums are going to spill into the microphone to the vocalist? You're like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> Sounds well. That will then sound like a rock band. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be so hard to mix. <laughs> yeah, I know this guy's Cam or Greg, one of those two. Yeah, Greg. Yes, Greg. Greg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, and then you're in the band for 10 years after that. So, yeah. And so I, you were like, how many, how many of the, the preceding albums were you sort of involved in the writing, recording, touring of? Did all the other ones after that. Yeah. All the other records. Yes. So Winning Days, Vision Valley, um, Melodia, and then the final one was Future Primitive. So the next four records, I I played on all those. Sick. I was at the Future Primitive show at the Metro. Do you remember that show? Yeah. <laughs> that was a sick show. I had the best time. <laughs> yeah, Metro. That's yeah, probably towards the end. It would have been one of the last shows I did, I reckon. I thought Future Primitive was a really, really fucking good album. I mean, they're all great, but I loved it when that came out. Yeah, they all stand up. I mean, they didn't sell very well in the last couple. I think taste has moved on. We had a new management by that time. We did Future Primitive and Todd, the manager, he really wanted it to move in a more of a like Empire of the Sun direction or that was what was that was what was hot at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw I watched an interview with um Craig this morning, uh, a big day out. I'm not sure if it was around the same time, but the interview was like, and so on the next record, do you think you'll include some electronics? And he was oh. like, uh maybe maybe like we'll like layer it and stuff, but we're not interested in like you know, turning into an electronic act or anything. No, it was never part of his DNA, the electronic stuff. Yeah. It was thrust upon us in that, for that record. There's a bit of a few bleeps and noises on it, but I don't yeah. think well, it adds anything to the songs. I guess when you think about it, like um, Empire of the Sun, um, Luke Steele's like Sleepy Jackson before that. So it was like yeah. really beautiful songwriting, acoustic guitars, like amazing kind of psychedelic sort of stuff. So I guess if you apply that same template to Craig, people might have thought he was capable of that. Well, then Luke teamed up with Nick Littlemore, who's from an electronic yeah, background. I mean, exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, do, do you remember, a, a, is there a time in your head, Hamish, that's like was your favourite time um, in the Vines or another, or another sort of notable time um, in, 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 in your time in the Vines? It's, it's interesting. I was going through old photos recently and I mean, the early part, there was the most excitement. And when I say early, like the first six months or a year, because we toured that whole year, 2002. And look at the photos by 
end of that year, you're getting into the winter in the Northern Hemisphere and <laughs> some of the guys, Patrick, you know, and Craig, they look a bit tired and miserable and wanted to go home. Like mm. me, I, I could travel forever. Like I've got an intrepid spirit and I was a backpacker for years. So to have a tour bus and an itinerary was, you know, that was a luxury for me. Mm. But, um, yeah, that first, the early period, you know, I guess playing the clubs and it was just exciting. And, mm. was, and everyone, everybody wanted to be there. After a while, Craig didn't want to be there anymore. And the shows could be hit and miss, you know, the good ones and bad ones. And we used to tell him, oh, I think Richard Ashcroft's from The Verve is coming tonight. Or, hey, man, the Strokes are coming to the show just to make him put on his best performance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, hey, man, Supergrass are coming tonight. And, you know, one night they did yeah, come, yeah. right? <laughs> Heard Robert De Niro's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you're in the Midwest and somewhere across the states, like, why are we even here in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Like, fuck this place. But you were still loving you. Does that? Am I correct? You were still loving that aspect of it and loving the touring and the yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I love living on a bus and yeah. traveling around and playing shows. Like it's the dream for me. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. But but Craig had just sort of fallen out of love with that aspect of it. Yeah, all, all, all of it. I don't think he ever wanted to do that. He's like, as soon as he finished that first record, he was like, okay, let's start the second one. <laughs> mm, yeah. And the label was like, ah, no, that's not how it works, buddy. Uh, you got some work, to, <laughs> you got some work to do now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. he imagined he could just be the Beatles in their studio band period and not have to tour. Really? Well, yeah. It's funny because like, he's just a rock star when he performs too. Like he has it, like he has that yeah. like X factor in terms of a performer. Um, so it's kind of like a bit of a catch for him if it's not the part he loves because he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, hilarious. and you know, he was diagnosed with Asperger's after the I don't know, 2004 or something, and it all made sense. Like for mm. him, routine and is makes life easier. And yeah. when you're touring, it's a different place all the time, and it just threw him out. And I think that's why I loved yeah. eating McDonald's every day because that was the same thing every day, and it was comforting. Yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't cut out for touring, unfortunately. Uh, I read that he gave up the McDonald's and the weed some sometime after that. I oh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Moved on to hot dogs and KFC. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, what was your what was your moment? You know, when that you when you left the band, like what was that? What was the thinking there? Yeah. <sighs> It was, what was that, 2011? So probably after the Future Primitive record and we had a run of dates lined up and it yeah. was the Christmas New Year period in Australia. It was a coastal run and we're hitting some RSLs and that time of year everyone's on holidays and you can show up in, you know, Port Macquarie, Foster and people will show up because they're on holidays. It's like, great, the Vines are playing. And Craig just goes, nah, don't want to do it. It's like, dude, we need the income. Like, Because we weren't making any money. We were like... I was getting a princely sum of 250 bucks a week from the bars. Like that's cause there wasn't any income from shows coming in. I was like, I was making more out of being a DJ at that point. Mm. And, um, and to me, I was just like, and what about royalties and shit though, or sinks or anything like that? We, uh, you know, not to get into the back end of your deal and stuff. <laughs> Come on, mate. There was, there was, <laughs> there was, there was one good year for that, but the most of the royalties come from performing in front of big audiences. Mm. So if you're on a yeah. festival tour or you're doing a support with a big headliner, yeah, you get some good um, royalty out of that, but yeah. no, that that was that was some, but it wasn't much. Like I wasn't yeah, making yeah. a living out of the vines alone, so I had to mm. had to get my hustle on. And when he yeah, shut down yeah. that tour, I was like, I think the writing's on the wall, you know. Yeah, just, I just don't see where this is going. If we can't even pull together a two week run of shows, then yeah, that was the, that was time out. And were your relationships within the band at that point like at a at a good a good zone, or were they no, a bit frayed was, at that time? It or? was a bit frayed, so. After the, you know, like probably 2004, Craig, when he got diagnosed with Asperger's, he ended up in a psych ward in hospital and for a spell. And he came out good and yeah. off the weed and everything. And he was, he was on meds for a while. And that was good. Like, that was a good period for him. Mm-hmm. And then he went back into smoking weed and I could just see him going down that same path again. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that I could see where I was going. And when he decided not to, I was like, I just don't know. Like, it was getting hard again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so did you have a, did you have an exit strategy, a plan? What were you, had, had you started a new band or were you looking at, because 
No, I just never exit strategy. But at that mm. time, I just got married. Um, my wife, I just got pregnant. Probably about the same day I got married, I think. And yeah. then, <laughs> and she grew up in Byron Bay, and she was working for the company that puts on Splendor in the Grass. So, right. She said at that time we we're living in Redfern. She goes, "What do you think about moving to Byron?" And I was just like. Hang on a sec. Got my suitcase. Not as packing already. It's like let's <laughs> yeah. let's go. So we moved up north, yeah. and at the same time, Andrew Stockdale called up. He goes, "Do you want to play drums and wolfman?" I was like, <laughs> "I sure oh, do." And he, Stocky. yeah, Stockers. And Stocky. he he had just moved from Brisbane to Byron. So you know, the planets oh. aligned. The universe was meant to be. You know, it's oh amazing. my god, as, as really we say in Byron Bay, yeah, it was the you know it just all fell into place. And so, yeah, I joined Wolfmother in 2012. So you got to keep the itinerary and tour bus life for a bit longer. Yeah. I mean, look, after 2004, Vines didn't do a whole lot of touring. Domestic stuff, one or two overseas trips. It was pretty slow. Yeah, Wolfmother was back on, man. Tour bus, Fuck. off to Europe, all of it. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. You, you must have celebrated the day that phone call came through, huh? Yeah. But, yeah, that was great. Like I said, my wife was pregnant at that time, so we had a kid while I was on my first European tour. So I wasn't there; yeah. I was away. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then yeah, so it would have been tricky. Yeah, yeah, and then family life. Like I did that for a couple of years, and then at that point, yeah, it was becoming hard being away. Yeah, my wife did her back in; she couldn't really look after the kid, and yeah, I cut out for a while, and then I got caught up again later by Andrew. A few years later, he goes, "All right, want to play again?" I was like, "Yeah, we kept in touch, <laughs> and we're on, we're, on, we're on good terms." and that the second time I got caught up for for Wolfmother, he was in the middle of a tour, and the drummer he had had, had a spinal tap moment. I think he spontaneously com- spontaneously combusted. Yeah, and he goes, "Hey, hey, Michelle, want to play some shows?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." What are you thinking? He's like, "What are you doing tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Uh huh." Where's the show tonight? It's like uh, Geelong. Like this is ten in the morning. I'm like, I think I can make it there. Is there a flight? Yeah. And so, like, had the travel agent book a flight. I'm on a plane that same day to Geelong. We were into Melbourne. Unreal. And there's a high card. I, I said, send me the set list. And I was like, there's a good six songs I've never played before here. So I'm on the plane, the headphones on, just cramming, like writing down arrangements. And Amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then I was just back in that same day, had a sound check and straight up. No rehearsal. So I was back in the band for probably a year or two before I even had a rehearsal. Really? <laughs> yeah, totally. This is straight into touring. Yeah. Right. And then out again. Yeah, just recently. So, end of last year. Uh, there's right. a lot of shows. Some of them were quite spontaneous, like shows at short notice. Mm-hmm. And I just found that really hard. And yeah. Same thing. Like being away, my wife was traveling a lot. And I was, I was, it just wore me out. I was burnt out from it. I so, told him, I was like, man, I'm burnt out. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and have you hung up the sticks or is it just for a... No, I wouldn't say forever. I've had a few months without playing much at all, but I'm thinking about what comes next, so... Mm. You got a drum kit in the house? I've got a bunch in the shed. They're mostly in in road cases, in in cases. Um, Mm. I don't play much at home. I play if I've got shows, if I need to learn songs or if I'm rehearsing. Yeah, you're not going to fucking set one up in your lounge room, eh, and have a Mm. bash. I should. I actually probably should, but I haven't. I should get out the sticks and the practice pad and put mm. the paradiddles and keep up my chops, mm. but nah, getting a little bit so rusty. So you just opening yourself up to what, whatever the next um, the next project or whatever next might be? Call. Yeah, currently. You're classified ad. You're classified ad. Yeah, I am currently. I mean, I probably need to be more proactive and start my own thing this time. Mm. Cool. I don't know. I look at what um, Dave Lane and... Mark Wilson and Darren and Cram are doing. I'm like, I want a piece of that. That looks like fun. You know how those guys mm. do the, uh, you know, they did the classic album tours. Mm. Yeah. They just did Dark Side of the Moon and they're selling out theatres. I'm like, that looks like a good gig. Yeah. So See, maybe, you know, that's, that's one idea I have. Um, I don't know. Maybe someone a, will call me cool and say, idea. I heard you're free. You want a tour? I'd be like, Boy. yeah, let's do it. Cram, yeah. Cram uh, rolled his ankle. You're up. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm on. Let's do it. Nice. Well, dude, thanks, thanks so much for coming on the pod. We'll let, we'll let, we'll let you get back to your day. What, have you got plans today? Oh, I've got a few things. I've got a few things, a few errands to run. Nothing uh, exciting. 
Might even see if I can get a surf in, but I don't think I've got the time. Oh, how's the weather up there today? It's a little bit overcast, mate, but I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt, you can yeah. see. So it's, it hit like 25 the other day. It seemed unseasonably warm, but um, probably throw a jacket Beautiful. on now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, winter's the best. Autumn and winter up north is the best. Summer is yeah. just stifling. It's awful. We were up there only about two weeks ago, actually, playing a, um, a party the night before Splendor. Oh, where? Co. What was your party? party. In, 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 a, in a quarry, just like off the main no, main road out of Byron. Yeah, Ewingstar Road. I oh, know the quarry. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, we played around yeah, there. Yeah. They shut that off. You used to be able to swim in there and people would jump off the cliffs. And yes. There was a few did. serious injuries and they fenced it. It's a good spot, though. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's really cool. Did yeah, you go nice. swimming in there? I have done. Back in the day. And then, yeah, Splendor was fun. Do you guys go to Splendor as well? No, no, we, we bailed the next day, but... Yeah, right. Did you go? Yeah. Good time? It was fun. I always enjoyed it. I had the kids there most of the time, but, um, yeah, I loved it. Like, I always loved Splendor. It's a, it's a good party. Yeah. It's a good catch-up with a bunch of old friends. Mm. Um, wasn't as many great bands this year as they have had in the past, but it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right. Well, man... Thank you thanks so, much. so much again. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on this. Pleasure to have a chat. Really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Look forward to hearing it all. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Cheers, legends. Thank you. See ya. See Bye. you, mate.